If you keep the digital core at the center of the experience, then you never lose track of the telemetry of all of your attendees inside the experience you're hosting them in. Welcome to Virtually Live by Kaltura. Every week, we'll get into the latest and greatest in marketing, and specifically event marketing, audience engagement, and brand experience. To guide us through that, we've invited event professionals and marketing leaders from various industries. In this week's episode, Kaltura's Executive Vice President Corporate Marketing, Lisa Bennett, speaks to Corporate Vice President Global Events, Production Studios, and Marketing Community at Microsoft, Bob Bejan, about how not only are virtual events here to stay, but how all events will center around a digital core. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Lisa Bennett, and I'm excited to join you virtually live from our studio here at the Virtually Live headquarters. Um, this next session is a great one. Every time we think that we've got virtual events, you know, pretty much figured out, everything changes, everything evolves, just like all good things in life. Um, so that's a good thing, because that means that we're moving forward. Um, and I'm very delighted to actually be joined today by Bob Bajan, who is VP of Global Events, Production Studios, and Marketing Community at Microsoft. And Bob has been in the industry and the event game for a very long time. Um, in fact, one of the shakers and movers, uh, literally, by the way, uh, of the event industry. And I'm just so excited to have you today with us, Bob. So welcome, welcome. Uh, maybe you can introduce yourself and, uh, and we'll get started. Well, I think you did a great job. I mean, uh, I am Bob Bajan. I am Corporate Vice President at Microsoft. Uh, and my responsibilities are, you know, uh, in per, uh, experiential marketing events, uh, our studios operation, as well as the marketing community around the world at the company. Amazing. So you actually uh, joined us last year as part of our leadership panel, which was fascinating. And I wanted to ask you, you know, we did a lot of talking back then, but What's changed since then uh, from an event perspective at Microsoft coming out of the pandemic and moving forward? Well, I mean, I think, you know, everything again, kind of a little bit, but <laughs> what's changed, I think, is that even with this idea of returning to some kind of in-person componentry, you know, to the events that we're doing, there is a wholesale change that there is this accept, not only acceptance, but a real embrace that, you know, the progress we made in discovering the power of the scalability of the inclusion of digital delivery, what we now call the digital core of any of our events, um, isn't going away. And in fact, really is the centerpiece of everything we're doing. And the adding back of the in-person component of event experiences is really much more about a local and regional activation in conjunction with the delivery of the digital core than it is about a return to big destination-based uh, events uh, the way we used to in, the, in what we think of as the before time now. Absolutely. That's fascinating. So you actually coined the term digital core, I believe. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, I feel as if um, it's something that I'd love to hear even a little bit more about. So when you guys are looking at the digital core and kind of what goes around it regionally, you know, what has worked in terms of how those two experiences mesh together, if at all? You know, what's the experience? Uh, is there engagement between the audiences, et cetera? Tell us a little bit more about how that digital core actually plays out. 
No, I mean, like I would say, it, it, they not only do they play together uh, and play well together, like they're incredibly enmeshed with each other. And in this, and and what I would, I'd even go one step further and say that, like, the notion of a global audience sharing an experience together is kind of hinges on the ability to get everyone, whether you're sitting at home, kind of in your home office or in your cubicle or office at work or in a group of people in a conference room doing it together as a group or in one of these regional activations that could have anywhere from 150 to 1,500 people in those activations, having everyone share that digital core experience um, and participate in it and make that the fabric that brings all those pieces together and all those people together. I mean, that is the alchemy, I think, and the, and the essence of creating a shared experience that is simultaneously held, you know, in the digital space and in, in in-person activations as well. And, you know, we did it for the first time in May with our developer conference build. We did it in six locations, right? We still wow. made the digital or straight in the studio. And it worked great. I mean, like, I mean, it was amazing. And, and, but the thing like where, and where it didn't work were the places where we really did not fully appreciate that the thing, the way you stage things in person is different now than the way you used to do it in the before time. You know, things like, you know, you don't create traditional theaters. They're more like modern work spaces, hang spaces where people can experience the digital content either alone, you know, working at a workstation or in groups or in viewing areas where you have larger screen surfaces. So the way you think about the architecture and the flow of space is totally different. And then so we took all that learning forward into July and we, you know, we did a lot of experimentation with our kind of global sales force, which is huge, 60,000 people around the world. And so we literally staged, we did the digital core delivery and staged live in-person activations in 62 locations wow. simultaneously. And, you know, it was a logistical kind of craziness beyond what you can possibly imagine. But the thing that was wild about it, and, and our head of sales said this, um, you know, to, to Satya and his senior leadership team, because we did a debrief about it afterwards. And he goes, you know, going into it, there was so much skepticism that we weren't going to get this sense of camaraderie or spirit around the world. And he goes, coming out of it, he goes, I think if you talk to any of the 60,000 people that took part in it and said, were you, you know, were you part of just this one small event or were you part of something that was bigger, he goes, I think everyone would feel like they were part of something bigger. And I was like, wow, man, that's about that's as amazing. good as possibly get, right? That's, that's really amazing because indeed, I think many marketers and event professionals and even, you know, other programs that are digital experiences struggle. And a core theme of what we've been talking about at this event is indeed, how do you get that engagement? Can you create that magic, if you will, between what we uh, experience in an in-person uh, event or, or, or joint experience, you know, as opposed to the digital. And I think that, you know, you've just proven <laughs> that indeed you can, it might be different, but for sure, you know, there's uh, a lot of benefits there as well. So let me ask you, you know, we, we both agree that virtual events aren't going anywhere. Uh, and indeed, neither are the in-person ones. So you've talked about kind of the digital core and whatnot. From your perspective, when you think of the term hybrid events, right, um, is that interchangeable there? Uh, how do you really think that 
you know, the virtual experience can actually uh, benefit that or enhance that in-person uh, experience in that event. You've talked a little bit about the architecture of it and the spaces, which is fascinating, but give me more there when you think also, maybe also in terms of like the overall strategy. So when you're thinking of your overall event strategy and hybrid, um, you know, event, I want to say planning from the get-go. Yeah, so I, again, I'm going to be a maybe a little contrarian, maybe not, but like I, I often get engaged in conversations around this notion of what a hybrid event is, and people get into this thing about like, oh, you have to do two events. It's a high, you know, there's a digital event and then the, the in-person experience, and I, I, I kind of just go, I don't, I. I, I I just don't believe in that, right? I just think what we're making is a new kind of experience, right? And, and I think, look, there'll be people and there'll be events that go, that look for, for a period of time, um, you know, just like the, the same as it ever was, right? And there are there are right. many producers around the world that are racing to get back to, you know, for a whole host of reasons. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. But, uh, you know, uh, personally, my personal opinion, I don't think it's sustainable over a long period of time. And as we continue as a, as the, as the human race to deal with global warming and, and, and the conditions we've set for ourselves, you know, we're going to have to make some changes. I also don't think coming out of the pandemic, at least for a couple more years, that most CFOs in, in companies um, are willing to put back the full T&E that they had in their, you know, in their balance sheet in 2019. I know we're not doing that at Microsoft. I don't think any, I, I, don't, I don't see how anybody in their kind of can see their way clear to do it in good conscience. And because that's true, then, you know, there just won't be the ability to kind of get on planes to go anywhere for a week to do these things. And so because that's true, I just think like the building of the question to me now is, is can you create a, a, a situation where you can get the best of what I think in-person experiences are, which is really this, a combination of being able to network, communicate, share stories, commiserate, you know, a sense of fraternity in that best sense, not in like a drinking and pledging kind of way, but <laughs> in a spree de corps that you get from community. And then the, you know, the serendipity of seeing people that you didn't see or cross paths because you're in the same industry. Those things are key, but but it, it, the truth is, is like you don't need to put 25,000 people in Orlando, Florida to make that work. You know, you only need to get about five or 600 people before most human beings feel like they're a part of something that's big. And this was like a huge epiphany for us in July when we did this like 60 activation, 62 activations. There were really only about eight of them that had about a thousand people. The rest of them were like 100, 200, 500. And the truth is, in those groups, you get the best of an in-person experience. And, and you do get deep emotional connections because why? Because you're not spending five hours going from one end of Las Vegas to the other end to get to your next session because there's 30,000 people in town and you know we're, we've had to book the whole city. And so yeah. I, I think there's so much, this it's a red herring to think about them as separate. They're absolutely intertwined, you know? And it's just like, that is what it's about. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Star Wars has its pull, regardless of uh, <laughs> if you're into it. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, 
I love the vision and I really love the way how you kind of are looking at this and, and indeed it's about, I, I agree with you, finding kind of the best of both worlds or the best of all worlds and making that uh, work to your, to your advantage. I, I have a question, you know, I saw that um, you mentioned in, in one of, uh, one of the uh, talks that you gave something around uh, having, you know, the digital core and then the physical activations and then data showing that some of the in-person attendees were actually watching the sessions from their hotel rooms. So they were at the event. Uh, I'd love to hear more about kind of what you saw there and, and if there was any data that kind of um, indicated what that was all about and, you know, what your lessons were that you learned from that type of, uh, that type of scenario. It, the thing you're referencing is actually a great story from the before time, and it's it's worth telling. So this is this is the uh, second year that we brought the sales organization together in Las Vegas. So 2018, 19, um, and uh, we had 15,000 people there. So you know, still relatively small percentage of the sales force when you think about it. But this huge investment that Microsoft is making to get 15,000 people there in person, and we streamed, of course, the keynote days, you know, Satya and Judson, our head of sales and that kind of thing. And, and so that part of it, we had data and we were already already in the events team, or at least my kind of like thumping on the, um, you know, kind of my soapbox at that time was with our executives with don't kid yourself, you know, like even though you're standing in the T-Mobile arena, and you think you're, you know, you're giving a theatrical performance. You're not because, you know, everyone is watching the big screens. They're not looking at you. They're looking at the TV and trying to make a case for more television-like performance. And um, anyway, so we're looking at the data after that summer and that July. And we're looking at, like, where are all these lo logons coming from? And it's like 702. Well, it's like, what? And then it's like, oh, my God. It's like people are staying in the hotel rooms ordering room service instead of getting over to T-Mobile Arena in the 110-degree heat. And that was like – and that statistic led to us pitching in 2019, right before the pandemic or the summer – you know, leading into the summer before the pandemic you know, we pitched this thing and said, look, look at the data. Like we did this thing with the senior leadership team going like, this is the reality. So why don't we create a digital core and and then do tw 15 activations in all the key areas across the world? Because we'll be able to bring several thousand people together in each of those places. We'll cover much more of the sales force. You know, we made this, we thought this data-driven, very compelling case. We got laughed out of the room. Like, I mean, like my, I remember my boss, Chris Capsulbo, like, that could have gone better. <laughs> you know, like it was like, <laughs> it's like well, you know, it's but the thing that's wild about look it who's is- who's laughing it, now, right? <laughs> it ended up being the blueprint that kind of helped us accelerate back when it, you know, when January hit and it turned to 2020 and things went, because at least we've been thinking about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, that when I, you know, I've been hearing you for a while now and following you and whatnot, and indeed, you, you really have this as a, as a vision and, you know, as a philosophy um, and as a strategic way of looking at things. And, and I love it. Uh, I really appreciate, you know, the way that you look at things. And um, it's helpful for other marketers like myself and, uh, and our, you know, audience today to really see one of the biggest companies in the world actually take a very innovative approach um, to looking at things when it comes to a huge part of our marketing budgets, our marketing funnels, and, and everything. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. 
just before we wrap up, Bob, uh, let me ask you, when it comes to engagement and how you measure engagement, both in the digital world and the in-person, maybe you can give a few pointers of kind of what you're looking at and what you consider engagement metrics that you um, are, are, are keeping track of. Yeah, look, I mean, in a lot of ways, um, we've tried to get it down to some very simple ones that are, you know, pretty hardcore that we're now really feeling like we can kind of measure. It, look, obviously, the basics, like any good promoter, how many people do you get in the room? And, you know, how many people how many people register and how many people come to the room, right? You know, the space. Um, so I think attendance is still a key one. I think another key one for us at Microsoft is, is how many how many certifications do we generate out of these events, right? So ultimately, in so many cases... Um, it's about us getting people familiar and then more and more expert in our technologies. And so, you know, our ability to generate certifications is another key for us. Then, then, then the next category is really, and is growth, right? Are we, are we generating more opportunity for field sellers, right? Can we say that if you bring your account to an event, you are, X times more likely to close business in the trailing 120 days than any other account. And now we know that's true. I'm not going to share that for a number of times, but you know, we know that now that's that we have a benchmark that we have a baseline there and we're just chip making that, that kind of multiple higher and higher. Um, and then, you know, scale and scope of, of those opportunities, right? What percentage of total revenue in any given month or quarter are the events we're doing contributing because that correlation between like, did the account go? Did that deal close? What was it worth? Uh, it, it, you know, that kind of thing that I, that we now feel confident that we can understand the contribution events make in those areas. And then the last piece of it is, is, you know, you know, what we used to think of as perception or brand perception, but now I think my boss and I am enthused about it. We now think of as brand love, you know, what, what is the level of, kind of brand, love for the brand that we can yep. kind of contribute to the growth of that. And so those are really the three big buckets, right? So this notion of just scale, scope, you know, kind of attendance, you know, growth and efficacy in terms of generating opportunity or, or closing opportunity, and then contributing to the love of the brand. Um, and now we, you know, we're really, we're pretty rigorous about that. Now we're obviously super like day to day, week to week, but then we report to, you know, Satya and his directs on a quarterly basis. And then that cascades down to kind of all of our business owners and partners and collaborators across the company quarterly. That and, you know, it's cool. I think it's interesting because I think the buckets haven't changed that much when you look at mm -hmm. kind of before and after, so to speak, of this new digital age. But I think we're just that much better at being able to actually use the That's data right. and gather the data and actually analyze it. So it makes it a, a much bigger case and a much more scientific case, if you will. Yeah, because it was always hypothetical, exactly. right? It was always, yeah, this is our hypothesis. We have influence. And, you know, people would go, yeah, that seems reasonable, you know, because everybody <laughs> kind of shares, you know, right? Because everybody would go, oh, I've been to an event. Yeah, I like that brand. You know, you can see it's not crazy talk. But now to be able to put on it and kind of go, okay, if we make that number better quarter over quarter, event over event, year over year, Super compelling. Absolutely. So, Bob, I want to thank you so, so much for sharing all of your insight and um, all of this great information. I'm sure that our audience will be able to actually generate both a lot of inspiration, but also practical, uh, you know, lessons that they can take back with them. So I really appreciate you joining to me and thank you so much. My pleasure. It was great to be here. Thanks so much, Lisa. 
Thank you, Bob Bejan and Lisa Bennett for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in. To give you a little taste of what's coming next week, here's seven questions and events with product marketing manager at Google, Roman Faminu. Welcome to 7 Minutes in Events, 7 questions in 7 minutes uh, with an industry expert, Roman Femina from Google. No time to waste, let's go. What's the one thing you want your attendees to get out of your events? Okay, we know how helpful our products can be to our users. We also know that the missing link between that and the adopting of our products is education. The one thing that we ultimately want to get is going to be that adoption of specific products. And this is why we choose to pursue education, because we feel that that is what's going to help cross that barrier. What's your favorite way to engage with audience? Okay, it definitely has to be the leaderboard beyond, of course, the usual suspects. Uh, we use the leaderboard in the program that I'm running now, which is the wider annual journey. And it's just magical how much interaction happens within the leaderboard, how excited people get to you know, beat each other and get ahead and how motivated they get when they uh, fall behind. I also find it creates a sense of community and camaraderie almost because you see that you're not alone in participating in this activity and it sort of like opens that virtual world and make it a bit less anonymous. And uh, the best thing is that we're finding that you don't even need to offer any prizes. Bragging rights are always more than enough for people to just feel that they're the best and they've done a very good job. Who would be your dream uh, keynote speaker and no restrictions at all? Okay, for me, it's hard to pick somebody very specific, but I think it would have to be a natural scientist who can, I think, set the wider context for where we are on this planet, what is going on, and point people to the bigger things in life that really matter. So I think somebody like David Attenborough, Neil deGrasse Tyson would be fantastic. Uh, if it can be absolutely anybody, I would summon either Stephen Hawking or Albert Einstein from the dead to give a speech as well. Which trend in vir virtual events are you most looking forward to? I am very excited about the wider exploration of virtual communities as they tie specifically to events. So I think virtual communities have obviously established themselves, but I think historically lots of events have been very much one-offs with very limited understanding of who is there and what are these people doing. And uh, I mentioned the leaderboard. I think that's a great start to it, but we are very happy to see that there is a lot of thinking about, okay, how do we actually make people engaged, make them feel like they belong in the much smaller context of running a you know specific education event or education program. What's an event uh, marketing pitfall people should watch out for? This may sound basic to some of you, but do not underestimate the importance of coaching your speakers. In general, the more confident they look, I find the more likely it is that they will uh, make a mistake because uh, this means that they will not prepare as well. Uh, the best you can do, of course, is to hire a speaker coach. Uh, if you don't have that option, then just make sure that you sit with them, talk them through the speech and actually hear them speak for a bit before uh, making any feedback. What's your go-to source uh, for personal development info in terms of events and marketing? Uh, it has to be the newsletters. Uh, I generally like reading information and I like it when it comes to my inbox. I always ignore it when it's my personal email, but when it's my professional email, I usually label it, set it aside and read it on a quiet Friday. My favorite, I think, is the uh, newsletter called The Marketing Analytics Intersect. Uh, it's led by a Googler, so I think I am uh, slightly biased here. But I do think that Avinash, who runs the newsletter, gives a very good lowdown of how important analytics are in marketing. Now, shout out another event professional. Huge shout out to Ophir and Ruthie uh, from Kaltura, who helped us launch the Digital Champions program this year. You did an amazing job. Thank you, Raman. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks.